I had a few girlfriends before I met my wife, Sarah, which I think is a great way to start a Good Friday sermon right there. (laughs) And those relationships ran their course. They ended for various reasons uh, as a young man. And the ultimate reason they ended was because they weren't Sarah. They weren't the one that God had chosen for me. And when you find the one that God has chosen for you, you go, wow, that is better than what I had before. And that is not to disparage any of those young women who were wonderful, godly women, but they weren't the perfect one for me. There was something better that God had in mind. And once you have experienced the better, you don't pine for the the old. You don't pine for what was before because you're grateful for the better that God has brought into your life. Uh, I love that video that we just saw. There was something in it that just tugged on my heart as we were getting ready for this service that uh, it is often easy to look at the heroes of the Bible and say, oh, I wish I had what they had, right? They've had all these experiences. Some of them saw incredible miracles. And so to have the relationship that Abraham had with God, where Abraham talked to God like a friend, Scripture says, or to have the relationship that Moses had, where Moses could go into the tent of meeting and meet with God and encounter his presence, or the relationship that David had with God, where David would have the Holy Spirit come upon him and he would write these psalms of praise and worship to the Lord to experience what Isaiah experienced. To experience what Ezekiel experienced. I mean, it's so incredible, the stories of Scripture that we have. And yet the testimony of Scripture is that what we have now because of Jesus is better than what they had. As wonderful as that is. Scripture says that day after day, the priests in the temple stand and perform his religious duty. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, our priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Bible is the story of a God who was not willing to leave us in our sin. He was not willing to leave us cut off and separate from him. He was not willing to leave us on our own, lost in the dark and lost without hope. And in his love, in Jesus, he comes to us to bring us back and restore us to himself. In the verses I just read from Hebrews chapter 10, uh, the author is tying into an Old Testament picture that in the Old Testament, there was the temple. And one of the aspects of the temple where the the people of God would come to worship was there was a place of sacrifice. And so you would come and you would bring an animal and the animal would be sacrificed. And this would happen multiple times a year. You would go down and you would bring your sacrifice to the temple and there would be a big feast and a big party. And so there were priests who were there and their job was to take care of the sacrifice. And so now it is sometimes said that that seems a bit weird and all those animals had to die. But just to be clear, uh, the animals were eaten afterwards, this was something that was going to happen anyway, right? If we're going to eat, then the animals were going to uh, die anyway. And so this was something that God chose to use as a, a picture, as a symbol of what was happening. And so beyond that, there were all these offerings that the priests had to offer up regularly throughout the year. And so there was just a constant mode of sacrifice going on. And so our author says in verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice 
sacrifices, which can never take away sin. And so there is something happening here where the Bible tells us that ultimately our sin separates us from God. It pulls us away from him. And he is the source of life. He is the only reason we're alive. He is the creator who made us, and he is the God who sustains us. And if we are separated from him, there is no life left. There is only death left. And so scripture tells us the wages of sin, the consequences of our sin is death. It is separation from God. We're cut off from the source of life. Just like when you pull a plug out of the wall, it's separated from the power. And so if we are wandering from God, if we are cut off from God, if we are separate from God, death is the only thing that is left. And so in this ceremony, in what was going on, the priest would offer the sacrifice, and then again, the animal would be eaten afterwards. It would feed the priests and feed the families who are offering it. But as they're doing it, there's a symbolic thing happening where God is reminding his people over and over again that that's where sin leads us. And so these animals would be sacrificed on the altar, and it was a symbol of the death that was coming, the death that was happening, and the death that sin ultimately leads to. And so the animal, as it died, God was willing to look at those sacrifices and say, the animal will die in your place. The animal will die so you don't have to. The animal will experience that death so that you don't need to do that. He was willing to look on that. But it didn't ultimately take away our sins, because ultimately animals are not us, right? We're, we're not paying that price ourselves. And, and scripture says that humans are above animals and God's created order. So it was never meant to be a permanent thing. It was always meant to be something that pointed to something bigger, that pointed to something greater. There was a constant reminder for the people of God that this is where our sin leads us. And God is willing to let those animals die so that we don't have to, but that wasn't ever going to be the end of the story. As Jesus comes and lays down his life as a sacrifice. It says that but when this priest, Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. So as Jesus comes, there's the picture of the Old Testament priests who are just day and night doing the same sacrifices over and over and over again. This constant reminder, this constant striving, this constant working to be right with God and to seek the forgiveness of his sins. When Jesus comes and and lays his life down, it happens one time. And as he sacrifices his life one time, as he rises from the dead, he sits down at the right hand of God. The other priests were always on their feet, busy, 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 right? They're constantly, constantly, constantly making atonement, making appeasement towards God. Jesus sits down on his throne and then never has to do anything else to deal with our sins because it's done forever. He sits down because there's no more work left to do. And that's not even the only part of this. Jesus sits down, and that's already exciting. It means that there's nothing else to be done to deal with our sin. There's nothing else to be done to lead us to life. There's nothing else that we can offer or bring to the table. He sits down because the work is finished. But then the Bible also says we are seated with him. We get to sit down because there's nothing more for us to do either. We don't have to keep offering sacrifices. We don't have to keep working for his love. We don't keep having to try and earn our way into his favor, to earn our way into eternity, to earn our way. He takes a load off because he did it all for us, and he invites us to come and sit with him. We are right with God because of what he did. We don't add a penny to the cost of what it took to get us there. 
We sit down with him because the work is entirely finished, and that is really, really, really good news. Verse 14, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're perfect forever. That's good news. I always like when husbands and wives do that to each other. It's like, oh, I know some things. In God's eyes, in your standing with him, you are perfect forever. You can't be more perfect in your standing with him than you are right now in this moment. You're not going to be more perfect 10 years from now because you're growing in holiness, which you will. You couldn't be more perfect than you are right now. You are perfectly perfect because of him and because of what he has done. Not because you're literally perfect, because he's taken his perfection and he's gifted us with it in our standing with God. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His holiness becomes our holiness as he lays down his life for us. And this is better, better than what anyone in the Old Testament had. As wonderful as those blessings were, this is better than what Abraham got. This is better than what David had. This is better than what Moses had. Scripture said those guys all longed for what we get to experience because they didn't know what it felt like to have your sins truly forgiven and washed away. They didn't know what it felt like to have the Holy Spirit come and make his home inside you. They didn't know what it felt like to be truly welcomed in to sit at the table of God, rejoined into his family fully and in every way. They longed for that. You and I have it because of what Jesus has done. That's better There is a true and better blessing that has come to us because of Jesus and because of what he did for us. And as he has gone to the cross for us, it comes to us as a free gift. And as it comes to us as a free gift, that doesn't mean there wasn't a cost. There was a a massive cost. There was an incredible cost. And the cost was him laying down his life. It's free for us, but it's not free for him. And as we get ready to partake of communion, if you can go ahead and grab your elements and get them ready as I'm sharing here today. And we practice an open communion here at Meadowbrook Church, and that just means it's open to anybody who is following Jesus as Lord. If you are following after the Lord, if you are serving him and and trusting in him, you're welcome to join us. Even if you're just visiting with us today, we'd love to have you participate. And if that's not you, or if you're not sure about any of this, then by all means, just please sit and enjoy and observe the service, and we're happy to have you here as our guest in that way. But we come to the table to remember partly because Jesus just told us specifically, make sure you remember, right? That this gift comes to us for free, but that doesn't mean there wasn't a cost. It's just the cost was paid for by somebody else. Somebody else bore the cost of this blessing for us. And so where Abraham longed for communion with God, Moses longed to see his face, and David longed to know his forgiveness, and all of these Old Testament people who wanted these things, all of these things are ours now. And we are invited to boldly come before the throne of God. We are told we do have our sins completely wiped away. We are invited away from death and into life to be filled with the Spirit, to know his presence, to know his peace. We have what they wanted. And when we come to the table of the Lord, when we reflect on the cross, when we remember the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled, we remember the price that was paid for our sake. 
And so we always take a moment as we come to the table, and Scripture says before a, part, a person partakes, they should examine themselves. And, and we want to make sure that as much as we are able, we have just confessed our sin that, that we are aware of, that we have made ourselves at peace with God, at peace with others. And so we're going to pause here as we always do, just with the music playing gently in the background. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for a moment. And as we just pause for a moment and examine ourselves, if there's anything you need to confess to the Lord right now, just in your own mind, just between you and him, then now's the moment to confess that sin. If there's anybody you need to forgive right now, now is the moment just to pray a blessing of forgiveness over that person. If there's any worship you want to express or thanksgiving, now is a great moment for that. Or if you just want to sit quietly, just peacefully in the presence of God and just be quietly grateful, you can do that as well. So let's pause here for a moment in accordance with the word of God and let us examine ourselves. So come to the table of Jesus, our Redeemer. Jesus invites you here as part of the people of God. Come to the table not because you must, but because you may. Come to the table humbly, not because you have earned a place here, but because you need God's mercy and his help. Come because although you love God, you desire to love him more. Come because Jesus first loved us and gave himself for us. Come because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come because you want to experience the mystery of God's grace. Come because Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Come because in Christ, the Lord has given the gift of God for the people of God. Would you take the elements in your hand, starting with the wafer? For what I received from the Lord, I also made known to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, the better covenant. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let's drink together. And would you stand with me to your feet, please? Lord Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. And as we remember you this morning, we remember that the gift that comes freely was by no means free to you. That Jesus, you willingly, purposefully put yourself in the place of pain, 
in the place of suffering, in the place of mockery, in the place of scorn, in the place of betrayal, in the place of death. You willingly placed yourself there. The one who only deserved worship received scorn and slander. The one who only deserved blessing received pain and suffering. You willingly put yourself there for us. You came fully into our suffering where we have been betrayed, where we have been abandoned, where we feel pain in our body and in our soul. You took on all of it. You experienced all of it. And you went to the cross for our sake. And so we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, with grateful hearts this morning. And we lift our voices to you in worship because you are worthy of our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.